Welcome to the Random Podcast with me, Isabi. We talk about the different things that you thought you never need to know, such as why the sky is blue or why Sheffield United are such a bad team. So, what are we waiting for? Follow us on Instagram or TikTok and subscribe to us on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts. For this episode, I invited Brendan Brendan to um to come on to the podcast. We talked about master talk and how to improve your public speaking. It's a must-watch episode as it's really entertaining and can help many improve their public speaking or presentations. We talked about his challenges and the different things that he felt it was important in his career so far. It's a much-watched episode and it's really, really interesting. So, hope you enjoy. Okay, I've, I've started the podcast so we can start now. Um, yep. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. I appreciate it, giving in the time and coming on to the podcast. Of course. So, um, I'm gonna, do you want to introduce yourself to the viewers, listeners? Yeah, for sure. So, my name is Brendan. I'm the founder of Master Talk, which is a YouTube channel I started to help the world master the art of communication and public speaking. And I guess the quick story on how I get started was when I was in university, I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were playing footy or rugby or cricket or something. I was using that same competitive spirit and I applied it to presentations. That's how I got really good at communication. And then through those hundreds of presentations and coaching dozens of people, I had the idea for the YouTube channel because I realized a lot of the content on communication on YouTube is really bad. So I started making videos in my mother's basement and the rest is history. Nice. It's really fascinating. And knowing that people can do stuff like that is interesting and a lot of, it helps a lot of people too. So um, I'll link the YouTube, YouTube in the bio of the podcast. So if you want to go listen to it, I recommend you do so. I've seen a few of them, which, um, and, and the one that you showed me was about the making your silences, not saying ums and ahs a lot, which, which I have been trying to do a lot. Um, so yeah. Um, is there, is there anything that you're, is there any like challenges that you faced during creating your YouTube channel? Oh yeah, a bunch of challenges. You know, the first one was, uh, I was pretty young when I started uh, communication coaching. I was probably like 22 or something. So when I was starting to coach executives who were literally double my age, it was really intimidating. Like, how do you communicate in a way that still instills confidence, even if the people have literally worked in the company longer than you've been alive? So yeah, that, that was definitely a big challenge. But I think the way that I overcame it, Yusef, was this idea of, at the end of the day, I'm making this presentation. I'm making these YouTube videos for people who are younger than me, right? The 16-year-olds, the 14-year-olds who can't really afford a speech coach. So I need to show up for those people. But the only way to make the quality of the content I do right now is I need financial resources. And the only way to get that is through executives. So I had to find the confidence to still deliver the message anyways. But that was definitely a big challenge for me getting started. Okay. 
is are you only doing um youtube or is there other platforms that you're doing to help people improve their um talking and presentations yeah for sure there's definitely other platforms but i'd probably spend 90 percent of my time on youtube and guesting on podcasts i find the people who are interested in long form are probably the ones who would watch my stuff interesting so um is there has there been a challenge on creating that idea of helping people improve their speaking during covid yeah absolutely i, I would say for me the biggest challenge you said was how do you translate information from an in-person event to an online video so in the in the case of public speaking it's actually very difficult to teach public speaking for not in the same room because let's say me and you are in the same room i could say oh yusuf you got to change this 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 and then you could speak better but how do i translate that information if you don't have access to me anymore if you're just watching a video of me and you're not in the room so I, I had to spend a lot of time drawing more analogies, sending better context, so that even if somebody doesn't get to meet me, they can still watch the video and still apply the tips, even if they're alone in their house. So I would say that was probably the biggest challenge. It's most of the time communication is taught in groups, not alone. And that's something I, I think I've gotten better with over time. Oh, so you've started creating the videos during COVID. No, I actually started long before COVID, but I, I think the the difference with COVID is those videos became a lot more important because I couldn't I, I couldn't go to people anymore in person and say, hey, watch the video, but this is how you apply it in person. I, I couldn't do that anymore. So I, I needed to rethink my content strategy so that people can still use and leverage the information even if I wasn't there anymore. And, but I'm, I'm happy I, I was working on that long before COVID started. So I was able to, to use that knowledge and, and deliver presentations, stuff like how do you give online presentations? That's a content topic I never thought of before, but I started making videos on the subject because it, it started becoming very high in demand. So um, you've talked about a bit about Mastodoc. Um, is there, from when you started Mastodoc, has there been something where you said, okay, I want to do this, but it seems that I can't do what I wanted to do at that point. I have to divert my course. I have to go in a different like area, different path, excluding COVID. Yeah, for sure. I would say for me, when, when it came to different paths and thinking about my content, I would say the biggest direction I had to take was who to target. So when I started, I had this brilliant idea, and I'm obviously being sarcastic here, of, of reaching out to university professors, because my initial thinking was, hey, wait a second, if the university professors know I existed and like my videos, they'll share it with their students. And if they share it with their students, my YouTube channel will blow up. Well, let's just say six months of work and 50,000 cold emails later, that didn't work. Right? Cause they looked at me and they were like, who's this kid? I'm not going to listen to this person and, or their videos. And that's what led to a lot of the challenges and struggles with, uh, with master talk. So I think the biggest directional change I made since I started was focusing on a completely different demographic. So I, I shifted from 
top to bottom, which is go to teachers, to let's go to the students directly, go to student associations, because they'll be more open to having a conversation with me and then organize free events around those people. And then, of course, in this very conversation, I've, I've found that podcast hosts have been very open to this type of information because they need communication to make themselves sound better so they understand the value of it so it's all about starting with the people with the least amount of friction and that's a lesson i learned the hard way this year that's interesting and important takeaways when people who are younger compared to other people are trying to create something try to start up something and when the other person might not think it might just be as you said saying okay who's this person so um, has there been, like in general, not focusing on master talk, I'm, I'm talking about in general, so far in your life, has there been something pivotal, something where you could say, okay, so if I had to say that this was a particular challenge that I faced, what would it be? Yeah, for sure. I would say the biggest pivotal moment of my life, Yusuf, was when I, I started implementing this habit that literally nobody talks about on podcasts. And the habit is ask yourself one hard question about life every single day. Questions like, what are you pretending not to know? If you had all the money in the world, what would you do with your time? If you died tomorrow, what would your funeral speech say about you? It's these questions that allows you to figure out insights and in how to live your life. But most people don't dare to ask themselves this question. I think, I think Tony Robbins puts it best. He says that the quality of your life is solely determined by the quality of the questions that you dare to ask yourself. And I think there's so much truth to that. And it's what made, what's made me successful at a young age is asking the right questions early. So my recommend for people out there is spend every day just answering one of those questions. Don't just absorb information from a podcast. Don't just take notes. But the questions that I'm shooting out here, the questions that Yusuf is asking, ask them to yourself. And you, hopefully you'll find something interesting worth thinking about. Um, okay. Oh, wait. I just said um. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. A quick question, just to have some bit more context about MasterTalk. How long have you had, like, started MasterTalk? Like, is it been, like, how many years? Yeah, for sure. So, so I've been coaching since I was 19. So it's been like five years since I officially coached people, mostly for free at the beginning. And But I started the YouTube channel specifically two years ago. And you've already got, is it like around 10,000 subscribers or? I think I'm at like 5,000 something, something oh, like that. okay. Um, so do you think, like I'm saying for the future, do you think that, um, you're going to be like, you're going to be on more platforms or do you think that in the future you're going to be less dependent on the videos and more like person, person or Zoom calls or Google Meet calls or video conferencing in general? which path do you think is going to like be best for you? Yeah, for sure. I think the way I think about this, Yusuf, is it really depends on the type of content that you create. Because as creators, what we need to think about, if we want to do this full time, is how do you build a business around 
what you do for a living. So let's say in, in let's say a very popular YouTuber, let's say you take PewDiePie or Mr. Beast or, or Dobrek or any of those big, those big names, they, they make a lot of their money off merchandise and in some cases AdSense in Mr. Beast's case, because he does, he follows all of the, the guidelines that YouTube wants him to follow. So he makes pretty good money off the ads, but for, for different category types, the way that you're going to build that full-time income for yourself is going to be different. So let's say in my case, because public speaking coaching is a very niche topic, there, there isn't a billion people out there who actually want to learn public speaking. The number is probably in the couple of million in the world. It's probably the 1% of the 1%. So because of that, it's much more, it's much more sustainable for me to just make less content, but make it super high quality because I know I won't make a lot of money off ads, but offer coaching services. So let's say a lot of the executives who are like double my age, the reason they, they pay me good money is because they watch my YouTube videos and go, oh, okay, this person knows what they're talking about. And I use that as a lead gen. But of course, at the beginning, it wasn't really a business or anything. I was just trying to help some people out and it, I ended up being able to do both. So building a business around it, but also making sure that the people who can't afford me can still learn from me. That's really interesting. Something that many people can take up take from it whether they're doing podcasts or whatever to be able to find the balance um i said um again i really should it's okay. it took me a lot of lot of time to get that right it's okay um oh my days. okay uh self-awareness is key man the the trick when you're thinking about your filler words is the reason why we say filler words is to buy time. So whenever we don't know what we want to say, our general tendency is to go, uh, uh, and then we say something. Whereas what the best speakers in the world do is they still buy time. They're not smart or anything, but they replace the filler words with nothing. So what you need to do is you need to start getting into the habit of saying, whenever you're about to um or ah, you say nothing. And the way that you practice this is by learning to pause for uncomfortable, uncomfortably long periods of time. So one exercise you can do after this is go up to somebody in your house and stare at them for five minutes and don't do anything else. You probably won't be able to last five minutes. It's really difficult for most people to last that long. So that would be uh, my tip for you. Okay. And then over time, you'll get super comfortable with pausing and then you'll start to remove your filler words and replace them with pauses. Thank you for the advice. Is there any more advices that you give to the viewers or me in terms of um, of communication and presentation? Yeah, for sure. I'll give you the easiest trick in the book. If you if you apply this, I think it'll help your communication skills. It's worked on every single person I've I've coached over my life, and it's called the puzzle method. So public speaking, Yusuf, is like a jigsaw puzzle. You know those puzzle pieces we used to do as kids where you kind of put them like a it's like a toy where you got like a thousand pieces and you put them all in a in a you could kind of fit them all together yeah so so if i asked you yusuf let's say you're working on this puzzle yourself which pieces would you start with first and why the ones with more uh, like a less like high contrast a more defined image something that would make at the basis of the an image that we're trying to create. 
I love that. That's a very sophisticated answer. <laughs> Most people usually just answer the corner pieces because since the corner pieces have less holes, it's a lot easier and they're easier to find. It's a lot easier to put those pieces together. That is true. I normally find it difficult to connect with corner pieces. I don't know. I really don't know why, but it's just... I think you're like a you're like a super expert on puzzles, so I guess it probably doesn't work. But I guess for most of us who aren't super geniuses like you, most of us start with the, with the corners because it's it's usually easy to spot, and then you work as a team, you kind of go through them. Yeah. But your your method works well too. But the question we need to start thinking about is why don't we do that in public speaking? Because when we have a presentation in the classroom or the boardroom or the conference room, what we do is we start with the middle, right? To your point, you know, you, you might start with the content. And what happens when you do that is you shove a bunch of it in a presentation. You get to the presentation. You ramble through the entire thing. You get to the last line. It sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, so thanks. That's probably 95% of all the presentations I hear. But there's an easy way to fix this, right? Start with the edges first. Treat your presentations like a jigsaw puzzle. Practice your introduction 50 times, not three times, not five times. Do it 50 times. It's actually not that hard. It'll take you a minute because each intro is a minute, so it'll take you an hour. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. Same thing with the conclusion, 50 times. And then after you do that, you'll look at your presentation and go, wow, I'm actually really good at communication. And then you'll tackle the middle. So the same advice applies to your podcast. So at the beginning, you know, you're talking to me and you're like, okay, introduce yourself. But then after 10 or 15 episodes of doing this, you're going to say, oh, I could probably introduce this guest better myself because I've done a lot of research on this person going to be able to, to introduce that person more, more confidently. So one advice you can do, you can take home, Yusef, is the next time you have a guest on your show, all you have to do is create an introduction for that person and just practice it 50 times. And then compare that introduction with the intros that you gave in previous episodes, and you'll realize that it's exponentially better. And you only spent 30 minutes on it. Um, I, I normally do like some sort of preparation and to be honest uh, I normally don't have some sort of intro I just have a say for example um for this episode I said okay so what what do you do your father of mass talk um and then I put some different topics that I wanted to ask wanted to go into details and then towards the end it's really open so it could it could be whatever path the guest chooses to go do you think that's a good way or do you think that there's a better way instead of that no for sure i think at the end of the day since you're the creative mind behind your own podcast that format might work really well with the people who are listening to your podcast i i think the best people to think about and talk to are the people who are already listening to you, whether it's seven people or 70 people or a couple of hundred by talking to those people and having intimate conversations with them, you could start to figure out what they like about your style and what they want different about the style. And then over time, you could develop a great strategy to make the podcast better. But I would say overall, 
the tip I gave on the puzzle method definitely applies for presentations. So the next time you give like, I don't know, a keynote on something at school or something at work, you're going to be able to use puzzle because you're practicing the introduction so many times, you're practicing the conclusion and you're going to be a lot more confident in that presentation. Interesting. I think a lot of people can take notes of that because for me, anyways, the first week of when we come back to school, I'm a 14 year old student, by the way, um, the first week we come back to school, there's a lot of talking presentation type of assessment. So I think that'll be, it's very important for us to know and try and organize how we talk. Uh, so I'm going to go more into depth about um, during before master talk. Before master talk, you were in school, right? That's correct. So when you were in school, did you have any sort of idea that in the future you would create master talk or were you thinking the normal eight, nine, 10, 12, old ideas of what they wanted to do in the future oh absolutely you you're absolutely right you know i never wanted to be a youtuber my goal if you had asked me at the beginning of university what i wanted to do in life i would have answered very simply be a senior executive at a company and then die you know make make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year at a at a at a big corporation have a great family live a great life and then be done with life that that's it you know i know i wasn't aspiring for much I think in many ways, Mastro kind of kind of chose me in the sense of, you know, I stumbled upon these case competitions. It was this weird, bizarre subculture of university students that just present all the time. And I fell in love with that. And I was obsessed with, with cases and I loved the competitive spirit. And because we couldn't afford a speech coach in our program, like no, I don't think any university uh, program can afford a speech coach because they're so darn expensive. I just took it upon myself. I said, oh, I'm pretty good at communication. Let me figure out how to coach these new kids, these new students who are entering the program. And I obviously sucked at it. I didn't know how to, I was good at speaking. I didn't know how to coach it though. But over time, I got really good at coaching and speaking. And that's what led to Master Talk. So it was, it was a kind of random serendipitous experiences. But I think the general idea is you know, you, you got to always keep an open mind on what opportunities are available to you, especially when you figure out and you ask yourself those hard questions. Like for me, what I realized really early, because three years ago, the, the only thing I cared about was really money because I didn't have any. And then after I started making it, I was like, well, this is not a great use of my time. I should probably do something more meaningful since I'm going to be in a casket in 40 years or 50 years. And that's, and, you know, Master Truck came at the right time. I was fortunate that I had the right training early. So, so I went for it and I never looked back. Yeah. I think we're having some connection issues. Oh, oh, oh. did you, did you hear me? Back? Oh, okay, okay. I thought we had some connections issues. Um, I think like for the past like five seconds, I can hear you for some reason. What, what what part did you did you stop hearing me at? It's approximately 10, 5 to 10 seconds. It wasn't that much, to be honest. No worries. Yeah, I, I was just saying that I think I think the thing that most people miss is they stay closed-minded about everything that they do in life. They, they think that the path that they choose 
is always necessarily the right one. And I've always changed my path. I think for me, the big thing is how do I make a difference in the world? You know, I'm going to be in a, in a casket in 50 years. So I might as well do something meaningful with my life while I'm still here. Even if I still have a long life ahead, you know, who knows how long it's going to be. So that's, that's the recommendation I have for people is, is to have that open mind too, that to play that game. And, and for me, it ended up being master talks. I never looked back ever since. Okay. That was a bit dark, but thank you for your insights. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is the random podcast, right? But yeah, that's true. Um, so I'm going to connect to with a previous guest. And one thing that he mentioned was that there always has to be a balance between work, family, and personal time. For you, do you think with Master Talk, as you have a lot of passion towards it, do you think that your personal time is Master Talk or do you think that is something else? Yeah, I think my general perspective on this, and feel free to follow up with another question if you think I missed the ball here, is everyone's got their own perspective on things, right? You know, your previous guest goes, you know, you bet you need to balance your family, your personal life and your work, but that means different things to different people. Like for me, balancing my personal life is working 15 hours a day on master talk and spending an hour with my family. But I see my family every day because I live with my family. I don't live on my own. Whereas for other people, it's work eight hours a day, get on a call with your parents in the afternoon and see them on the weekends. Whereas I see my parents every day because I live there. So, so I, think, I, I think the idea is people need to ask themselves what balance means to them in a way that makes them healthy. So for me, I don't have that many interests in life. I don't, you know, I don't go, uh, I, don't, I just don't do dumb stuff. You know, I love clubbing. That's one thing I love doing, but I don't really drink. I just like dancing. That's one thing. The other thing I like doing is working. You know, I just like building important stuff and doing important things and talking to important people who are doing interesting things. I don't do much else with my life. And that's what brings me joy. And, and I would encourage people to, to find that joy in their lives. Like, like one exercise I always recommend is make a list of the things that make you happy. I, th- I think it drives, it's so simple yet so underrated because nobody does that. Like if you, if you look at my list of what brings me joy, it's dancing alone in my basement. It's karaokeing eight different languages. It's yelling at my friends at dinner when it, it clearly bothers other people in the restaurant, which I don't really care that much about. Like I'm, I'm pretty nuts, right? Like the list that I just gave you, most people are listening to this and saying, I don't want to do any of these things, but that's the point, right? Where's your list? And, and nobody cares to make their own. And I think that's, so, I, I, think, I think people are missing out on a, on a lot of happiness in their life because they don't they don't make their own list. That's an interesting outtake. Um, I think that many should do that. For me, it's completely different due to the age, due to the way, the place I've lived, due to how I was growing up. Um, if you don't mind me asking, um, where in your childhood, which country did you spend your most time in? Oh, I'm born and raised in Montreal, Canada, but my parents are from Sri Lanka though. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, I might as well just say, oh, well, I was raised for most of my life. I've been raised in Oman. It's very calm, a Muslim country. So there's a lot of calm and 
Muslim-orientated place. Very lovely. And if you ever come here, I recommend you to come. It's a great place to be visit or live. So, yeah. Um, That's awesome. What what country did you say you're from? I missed that. I'm not from here. I've lived here for majority of my life. Is Muscat? The city is called Muscat, and the country is called Oman. It's located in the Middle East. And oh, cool. I believe you had you had an episode with um, Aditya, Money on My Mind podcast. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, that's correct. I did. Yeah, he's um, someone I know. In we're in the same school, so. If, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's is cool. Kind of interesting too. So, um, I'll talk a bit about Oman. So, for people who might not know Oman, um, it's unlike other countries in the Middle East. There's a some sort of rule. I don't know if it's like really a rule, but something that became something that's known. And that is that the buildings aren't, there's no skyscrapers. There's only um, buildings that are maybe like four levels, five levels max. They're not that tall when compared to the other um, countries in the Middle East. And that is good because Oman is located, uh, is very coastal, very coastal orientated. And Muscat, the capital of Oman, is located, uh, located on a hilly, I like demographic, so the more near, the closer you are to the coast, the lower you are, but the further inland you go, it goes higher. So wherever you are in Muscat, you'll be able to see the ocean, which is absolutely fantastic. That's so cool. Yeah. If you ever come here, then please tell me. Tell me. Yeah, I'll for sure. You. I was. Yeah, I'll probably go to Jordan at some point. I don't know. I don't think that's near Oman, though, but it's near in that area. It's not that far, actually. It's pretty close. I think yeah, it's like for an event I'm going to. Oh, that's nice. cool. So if you ever come here, please tell me. I'll show you around. It's, it's Absolutely, man. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to tell the viewers or... Yeah, I think one way of closing, since it seems like I'm speaking to a younger generation, is is my favorite piece of advice. And my favorite piece of advice is be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But if you want to make a difference in the world and do something important with your life, the only way forward, in my opinion, is the path of insanity. I mean, it's pretty odd if you think about it, that a, that a kid like me started a YouTube channel in my mother's basement on executive communication tips then he went on to coach those executives a year later for money, but he still lives in his mother's basement. He still dances alone in that basement. He karaoke's in eight different languages and he loves Justin Bieber. How does any of this make any sense at all? And I think that's the, really the point of this conversation is when every decision in your life makes sense to the only person it should, which is you, you'll probably be very successful in life. So be insane or be the same. And it can be interpreted differently. Um, oh, I said it again. Be, I kind of agree to an extent on that note. It might as well be the closing notes. And for whoever's listening to the episode, give your comment, send it in, or 
any way you want to tell us about how you interpret this idea which Brendan shared with us. When it came to be the same or be insane, which you said, even if you do something, there's always going to be someone else that does the similar thing. You know what I'm saying? Or Absolutely. So the difference that separates you and that someone else is how well you do it. So if you want to, I'm using your example, be in your mom's basement and sing karaoke, you could either put a lot of effort, have enjoyed it more than someone else, or there's going to be someone else who's enjoyed it more than you. See where I'm going here? Or? Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, I think one thing I would add to that, because I love your perspective on this, is this idea that if you want to be successful in life, you need to tap into your own uniqueness, right? So for example, it's because of all of the bizarre things about me, because all of us are bizarre. We just don't share it openly and vulnerably to everyone else around us because we're scared of being judged, right? We only get accepted for being the same, which is very odd. When it's your own insanity and it's your own bizarre weirdness about you that actually makes you unique because there's only one version of you. Right. So if you think about my karaoke craziness, my Justin Bieber and craziness, that trickles down a lot into my videos. Because in a lot of my videos, I mean, I, I'm probably the only speed coach in the world who compares public speaking to jigsaw puzzles and to dancing and to karaoke. It makes no sense. But it's because I do those things that allows me to tap into a new type of creativity that no one else in my industry has tapped into. And, and that's what I want for everyone. But for everyone else who's listening, that, that will manifest in completely different ways. That would be, uh, you know, uh, oh, I'm a bank. I want to work at a bank, but I realized I, I tried every cupcake in the city and I know I make the best cupcakes and I should start a cupcake business. You know, like to me, that makes no sense. But to someone who's, who's, who's loves cupcakes, that makes perfect sense, right? That's what I really want to drive here is we need to start tapping into our own insanity because that's what leads to unique insights on the market and unique things that only we can do. Yeah, I completely agree to it. And something that I think everyone should take away from this episode and probably will be a part of the title. So thank you. Of course, my pleasure. Um, I think that'll be the end of the episode. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you coming on and spending the time being here with us. Of course, Yusef, I really appreciate you taking the time and thanks for the hard work you're putting on the podcast. Thank you. And yeah, thank you. That's it. Cool, man.